0: Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you here for worship this morning, and I hope you got a bulletin as you came in. And uh, there'll be some announcements in there that we want you to follow along. There is questions about our uh, annual meeting next week. Some have asked about that. We'll be meeting this Tuesday uh, as a session, and we'll be uh, putting out information as to how that will work. Obviously, if we have business that needs to be done, we usually announce that way ahead of time, because if there are things that need to be done, we need to do it according to the bylaws um but there may be some things we'll just postpone but if we are going to meet and it's in the service we'll have two services obviously and so we'll each service will have to deal with it unless they decide to schedule it at another time during the day so we'll keep you posted keep your emails open and obviously Christy will send that out but regardless there's nothing you need to prepare for other than just being here and being a part um as when when we decide to do that Also, our classes, as they change uh, up and about coming in February, I know uh, Dr. Abbott's going to be doing some stuff, maybe not exactly the first week, but around that time, he's going to be working maybe into some confessional studies or some topics in theology along with that. And I know Mrs. McFadden is going to be downstairs teaching, I think, the Book of Acts. Uh, Mrs. Wilson Renee will be doing it online still. Uh, the men are going to be beginning uh, the study uh, of theirs in Daniel in February on Wednesday night. So uh, lot's going on still, and I know it's a, a trying time. I know with all the things that are out, I've been asked several times, what are the new regulations? And folks, I don't know of any new uh, regulations yet. We do want to pray constantly for our nation and our world, as you know, uh, for the last nine months. Uh, whatever turn this is going to take... Our most important concern is that we pray for those who are hurting. We pray for those who are in need. We know the virus affects people in all different ways, and especially with the concern over the Christmas and the gathering. So I I appreciate all of you who've been extra cautious. We've had many families who have quarantined because they've been around someone. We've had some families who have had COVID and have been affected differently throughout uh, the season that it's been here. Um, And everybody's handled it well. And so please, I would ask for your understanding that if you do get COVID and um, you you are affected by it in a great way, obviously, I would like to know as your pastor um, so I can come bug you and sit with you. Um, But also, it's important for us because as one person gets it and no one else around gets it, it's one thing. Um, But what we are concerned about is, and I'm making this up, but if Nick gets it, I get it. Then all of a sudden, Grace Sand gets it, and Josh gets it. Then we obviously know something's happened here, and we may need to take some precautions as we go forward. But when it's isolated events of people we haven't even seen in weeks or people who haven't been here regularly, please trust us. We will work with it, uh, obviously, the best we can, but we also want to respect the privacy of individuals because keep in mind, uh, as staff the virus is a sickness and it's just like anything else it's private Um, and some people have had it and don't want the world to know that they've been a part of that and we respect that highly so but thank you for all your help through this time and concern if you have any questions please call me and i'll be glad to continue working with you Uh, other than that we're ready for a new years Uh, Christy put some financial snapshots in there i may do some things in the back i told you about have some fun charts and things that you can just see pictorially that I'll maybe put up as the year goes on based about our our missions giving and our uh, offerings and our outreach and where we're headed for the building funds and the different attendance things in church. So we'll have some fun things, but rather than taking all that space up in the bulletin, we'll just have a fun way for you to see that as, as you come in in the services. Other than that, we're beginning again with Nehemiah. And this this morning as we continue our introduction through Nehemiah, it's learning to start right this time. I know we've all been in the process of starting over, but I pray you'll already prepare your hearts to realize that this time, whatever it is, we need to do it right so that we can get and overcome those hurdles. And so lots before us this morning. If you have questions, please let us know, but we'll keep you informed. Pray for our elders and deacons as they meet the coming weeks uh, to begin the year. But let me take us to the Lord in prayer. And then, if you would, join me in the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll begin worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful uh, that you have demonstrated your love to us and for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we now have your Holy Spirit to demonstrate that same love to others. And Lord, in our country right now and throughout all the transition this past year, through the obstacles and hurdles and the, the pitfalls, Lord, we have experienced an amazing year in many of our lifetimes. And yet, Lord, we trust you, the one who does not change, the one who is constant, the one who knows what is necessary, and the one who plans and providentially cares for all that takes place. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to follow you and to faithfully serve you as the year unfolds. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to worship, to be able to come, Uh, to gather and to just open our hearts, our minds, and even our mouths as we worship and glorify you. Lord, we know again that there are so many who need prayer. There are so many events uh, that need your guidance. There are so many things in our own lives that need to be changed. And yet, Lord, you welcome us to come boldly to the throne of grace, praying together as you taught us, saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let me call us to worship this morning. It comes from Revelation 5. Come, let us lift our voices and exclaim that worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and
1: honor and glory and blessing. As we confess our faith together, uh, we as a family at home, we've enjoyed going through the catechism questions over the past week, so I encourage you uh, to take your bulletin home and to think about it uh, throughout the week uh, by yourself or with your family. Uh, but we confess our faith again we're using the words of the shorter catechism all this year so i'll ask the question and then let's confess the answer together what do the scriptures principally teach the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning god and what duty god requires of man what is god god is a spirit infinite eternal and unchangeable in his being wisdom power holiness justice goodness and truth amen and as we have this God our God who is holy and just and infinite all these things we come to him confessing our sins so let's pray this prayer out loud together almighty God who is rich in mercy to all those who call upon you hear us as we come to you humbly confessing our sins and transgressions and imploring your mercy and forgiveness. We have broken your holy laws by our deeds and by our words and by the sinful affections of our hearts. We confess before you our disobedience and ingratitude, our pride and willfulness, and all our failures and shortcomings toward you and toward our neighbors. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, and of your great goodness grant that we may hereafter serve and please you in newness of life through the merit and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear now God's promise from Hebrews 9. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Brothers and sisters, as you look to Christ, as you turn from your sin, as you want to be rid of it, Be assured that Jesus has entered the most holy place and made atonement and made mediation for us. So be at peace that your sins are forgiven as you look to Jesus Christ. You may be
0: seated and I hope that you brought your Bibles along with you so that you would have an opportunity to follow along in Nehemiah. That's where we're going to begin our journey of what it means to begin again with God. It's never too late to begin again. That's what we've been emphasizing and I challenge you this morning that as we go forward in beginning again that we do it right this time we all know what it's like to start over now before I read the text in Nehemiah let me begin real quickly with a story of a sport that I'm not very good at and I understand what it means to begin again I could probably go alongside with some of you who love to golf and you understand more than any other sport probably what it means to begin again. I had a friend one time in seminary. I asked him we were going to get together and take a break and go golfing. And his name was Phil. I said, Phil, let's go golfing. And he said, why in the world would I go golfing? And I said, it sounds fun, man. We could go out there and we'll hit some golf balls and we'll see what kind of scores we get. He was a musician and a roommate there. We both single in the time at seminary. He said, Jerry, that sounds foolish to me. He said, who in their right mind would hit a small ball they could hardly see as far as they could hit it into places they may never want to go and then walk to go get it and then hit it again as far as you could hit it? Who wants to spend their day doing that? What we did, we enjoyed our time, and I think about life sometimes as what foolish things we do when you stop and think about it. Who enjoys just saying, let's hit something, go get it, hit it again, and go get it. Let's just do that all day long. But folks, sometimes that's relief. And I'm not here to knock uh, golf. It's the same when you're in race cars. I never was in racing till I moved to North Carolina. And I understood some of the importance of getting to the front and starting in the front of the pack and how important that was in NASCAR instead of spending the day making your way through all the cars to try to compete. So this morning, before I read, let me just encourage you, why is golf the way? Because folks, every tee shot is an opportunity for you to what? Begin again. It's a crazy analogy, but folks, if you're really on the golf course and you just hit the ball and it went wayward and you said things you probably shouldn't have said, and you mumbled them the whole way you went, if you golf like I do. And then all of a sudden you realize it's a brand new hole. If you've golfed with anybody with experience, they say to you, look, put that hole behind you. Look, get started what? Right. It's not how hard you hit it. It's not the power that you put behind it. Golf was not designed for you to learn to hit 600 yards in one shot. Quarterbacks in the NFL were not designed to throw the football 100 yards in one play. Folks, sometimes we begin to think that if we're going to be successful at something, we've got to do it all at one time. And when we begin to rebuild, we don't realize we can't rebuild all at one time. It's going to take stages. It's going to take times. When you're rebuilding, not only are there things you need to do, but there's a lot of things that need to be undone. And so Nehemiah challenges us again here this morning that as we begin to tee off again in whatever area of the life you're needing to tee off, it's a fresh new start. I promise you one thing about golf. If you'll do it right and correctly on the first hit, it makes the rest of the hole go a whole lot easier. And folks, that's the point of beginning again with God. Yes, you can begin over and over and over. And you can go through the same circumstances and rebuild time and time again. But if you always start off on the wrong foot, if you've always started off by opening your mouth and inserting foot, if you always start off and spend the rest of the time just playing catch-up, you finally get the same result every time. This morning I want to challenge you. Let's learn from Nehemiah what it means to start right. And wherever you are in life, whatever the relationship, whatever the career, whatever the situation, you can say to yourself this morning, Lord, I want to do it right this time from the start. And so here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1. Let me just backtrack a little because it's been such a short time as we started. He began there in verse 3 when he asked his brother what's happened. He said, the remnant in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. We pick back up where we were last time saying, and as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Then he says this. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel, and he identifies, which we have sinned against you, even I, and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. It's amazing if we're going to get started right with God. It's going to have to start in an understanding of several things. And first and foremost, let me just tell you this. Write it down. You need an honest evaluation. An honest evaluation is necessary. We see that in the prayer of Nehemiah. There are many things about his prayer that we could go into. And as we go through the story, we'll come back to some of these things throughout. But it's very important to realize that his prayer is the picture of an honest evaluation. He's pouring out his heart over the situation so that he will understand exactly what is necessary in order to accomplish the task that's before him. Many of us will never get started right. We'll have to work our way all the way through in order to have a chance to make it work. And that's what I learned about NASCAR. Horrible to say that, but uh, I first moved to North Carolina years ago where I had moved back to do ministry in the year that Dale Earnhardt, had crashed. I didn't even know who Dale Earnhardt was. A city went into mourning over all that had taken place for this guy who had become an icon for so many people. And as I began to learn about racing and be, people began to tell me about how it works and the trials that would go on the nights before, it would always come back to this the importance of the race is actually started on the day before when you position yourself. You actually race before the race so that you can position yourself in the pole. Because the race that's going to be determined is most often determined by those who are in the front part of the race. To be able to start in the front and hold the front is a lot easier than to start all the way in the back and work your way through hours of cars just to get to the front where you can now say, I have a chance. It's a whole lot easier. To put the effort before the race so that you can start out in the front and ready to go. So before you rebuild in your life this morning, I'm saying to you, do what is necessary before you even start. If you're remodeling in your house right now, you don't just go to Lowe's and start looking at everything and say, Well, I'll take that and that and that. And Well, maybe some of the ladies do. Maybe you pick out what you want and then the guys make it work if you're good. But folks, for most of us, no. You start evaluating, well, how big is my room and what do I really want? And do I want it to be the same? Do I want a whole new look? Do I, do I just need a whole new house? I mean, maybe I just want to start completely. You've got to make an honest evaluation. Is it really worth getting rid of everything? Can I reuse some things? The work that goes into it before you start actually helps determine how the job's going to go when you start. Folks, we're not here to build houses. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about rebuilding your relationships. I'm talking about saving your marriage, holding on to your children, keeping your job, letting family be first. Man, there's important things that we want to talk about, not just golf and racing. And so as we jump in here, let's make an honest evaluation. Put that down, write it. Why? Because in the process of rebuilding, it's not just making an honest evaluation as we go through. There's several things that need to happen. Write these down and stay with me as we go through the prayer here of Nehemiah. Lord, be attentive and listen and open your eyes because I'm going to summarize as we go through. I am just as at fault... As they are. Isn't it amazing when we go to rebuild, we always want to build on the basis of what others did wrong to us? I'm ready to rebuild if you'll take back what you said. If you're willing to start fresh. If you're willing to let go. If you're willing to let me have some. It's always based on what the others want to do. is based on what you're willing to do. Nehemiah doesn't say that. He doesn't say, God, if these people are willing to make changes, I'll go help them. He falls down and he spends days. Listen to what he says. The time, O Lord of heaven, great and awesome who keep this. Hear my prayer, verse 6, and be attentive. Day and night for these people confessing the sins. I know they were wrong. It's not just their neighbors. It's not just the people around them. They too are wrong. And then he says this, forgive us for we have sinned. I and my father's house. If you're trying to rebuild a relationship this morning, let me get you started right. Look at the word sin and that old song that goes with it. The I in the middle is me. See, the problem with most rebuilding is the word sin never gets dealt with. And when you look at sin and you see that I in the middle, you've got to say the I in the middle is me. That's the problem here. We're rebuilding because it wasn't just someone else's fault. It wasn't just someone else's doing. I, too, have sinned. I had disregarded feelings. I had said things to hurt emotions. I've overlooked certain uh, understandings, and I didn't see the desires that other would want to have. And I pretty much focused on my values, my views, my dreams, and my visions And it just wasn't working and I'm ready to start over. And will you change so that we can make it work this time? That's not what Nehemiah said. He makes an honest evaluation. Write these down and think it. If you're thinking about rebuilding in your life, there's things to go with it. The things that not only need to be done, an honest evaluation, but you need to undo some things. Write this down. You need to undo some of those habits and addictions that occupy your life. You can't rebuild and have the same, or or a better thing, and keep the same old things. It doesn't work. I could give you all kinds of analogies. For those of you who love to drink coffee, don't raise your hand. I don't want you to be tagged. But you don't take brand new water and just add new grains, and I know you have, and put them in the old grains and just run it through quickly. And a week later goes by, and you ah, I that ain't worth cleaning, it's all just coffee, and so you just put more grains on top, add more water, and you wonder what the fuzzy stuff is in the water. You can't just add to the coffee and think, that look, we're going to rebuild. Things have to be undone. First of all, you have to undone, undo habits. Look in your life and figure out, what are my patterns that are actually hindering me from rebuilding? You also have to undo or mend hearts. If you're in the process of rebuilding, it's not just habits that have to be dealt with. It's hearts that have to be mended and forgiven. You can't rebuild and still be bitter. You can't rebuild and not acknowledge that you were a part of this. You can't rebuild and still be upset with the way things were. Rebuilding means you've got to let go of the habits... And mend the hurts. Do what it takes to mend them. Go to your brother, Matthew tells us. When you get to the altar and you're ready to make your offering and you know your brother has something against you, go and make it right. At least attempt to say, look, whatever it takes. I'm willing to give up some of these things. I'm willing to give over, but i got to mend the hurts. The hearts have got to be healed if we're going to do this right. We can't start on a bitterness and a hurtful situation and expect things to go forward. And then finally, we have to heal the hurts. Overcome our habits, mend our hearts, and then we have to heal the hurts. Nehemiah is doing this in his prayer. God, I'm saying to you, I confess the sins. I've been doing things, we've been doing things. We've been neglecting the laws that you've given Moses. We've been neglecting the covenants that's been established. Our hearts have not been true. And most importantly, the hurts of so many of our people. We've got to have them healed. We've got to get started right. And so all of a sudden, in Nehemiah, a century has gone by. They're, they've tried, we've said this, they've now quit. They're now coming over to get help. Nehemiah sees one of his brothers discouraged ready to go forward and nehemiah demonstrates this leadership in getting started right an honest evaluation when the walls aren't finished we said this earlier the most important thing in your rebuilding is you don't want to rebuild and then stop again if i asked you this morning how many of you have ever rebuilt in your life more than one time i know as a parent i don't even have grown children all but one some are in college I could use my children time and time again to say how different they are, how many times I've had to start over, how many times I've had to redo this, and how many times I've gone over and done this. But if you're going to get started right, you have to eventually ask yourself, have you even finished the times before? Do you just get frustrated and quit? Are you willing to work through the length of the process to let God mend the hearts, to heal the hurts, and to overcome the habits? They're not going to happen immediately. Sometimes we want to start over, but what that means when we rebuild is let's just let bygones be bygones. Let's just let time heal things. Let's just forget about it and assume it's going to go away. That's not how you rebuild. There's a lot that goes into rebuilding, and these gates that have been burned down, and the walls that have never been finished have brought reproach against God. And now Nehemiah realizes that I'm coming here for your glory, God. Rebuilding relationships, folks, is not for your sake, but for Christ's sake. Until you see that picture, it's not important enough for you to rebuild. The rebuilding of relationships is for God's glory that we as his children are able to see him be glorified in all of our relationships not that we just can stop hurting not that we can just get over the frustration not that our days can be easier folks those are selfish reasons to rebuild you're doing it for yourself and now i would say you're doing it for i and i is the middle of sin are you rebuilding for god's glory An honest evaluation. We've had these before. Listen to what Nehemiah, he admits the needs. That's what he says here, Lord, look, we have sinned, we confess, we have a need. And then he believes that God is the one. Hear this and see us. So you have to admit the need. You have to believe that God can fix it. And then you have to confess. You have to confess where you have fallen in order to fix it where are you broken now isn't it amazing that nehemiah's prayer goes right along with the abcs of salvation isn't that cool that you have to admit if you wish wh- where our needs are you have to believe that god is the one who can fix them and you have to confess that this is what's going to have to happen and what our shortcomings are already done isn't that amazing that when you get saved you have to what admit you have a need You have to believe that Christ is the only one who can fix it. And you have to confess those sins before Christ in order to be healed. Isn't that amazing? That in Nehemiah's prayer, salvation that we use today with all kinds of acronyms wasn't new in the time of Jesus. It wasn't new and brought up by Peter or some of our great preachers. It was actually part of Nehemiah's prayer. It was part of someone who knew what it meant to be a great leader and to begin again. And to know what it means to overcome to get through the hurts, the hurdles, the hearts that needed to be men, and to admit there is a need here, folks, if you're wanting to rebuild and your necessary scale is a seven out of 10, should we or should we not? You're not going to rebuild. The only time you're going to rebuild is when you finally realize that the priority of rebuilding is a "what? It's a 10. This is for God's glory and this is wrong. Our family does not bring God glory. People do not recognize Christ through us. People are not going to be brought to God through our behavior. This is ridiculous. It's redundant and it needs to be repaired. I'm ready to what? Rebuild. I want to start over. But this time I want to start right. I want to make an honest evaluation of what it's going to take. I want to go through and overcome these habits and get through the hurts and mend our hearts all these fancy things that nehemiah is telling us but i need to admit the need and i need to believe that only christ is the one who's going to fix it and i need to confess those sins so that they can be dealt with oh it's one thing to say you know who jesus is it's another thing to cast your cares upon him Nehemiah takes us on this journey. You can't heal that which is needing to be fixed without an honest evaluation. I could give you thousands of analogies rebuilding. I remember back when Jim Kirby was his name and he was building a house and he went to one of the builders in the church and Ronald said to him down in North Carolina, listen, let me do your foundation for you. My boy will do it for you. We'll get started right. And I remember the argument that took place in the church over this. Because they were both in the church, they were both builders, they both wanted to do it their way, and one was more of an inside finish person, but he wanted to build a house. And I remember the story clearly when Ronald Ray said to him, if you don't let my boy do your foundation, you're going to make a mess. But you're too expensive. I'll never forget those words. You're too expensive, Ron. Well, needless to say... Stacy would know the scenario. I drove out about three weeks later into the process as I tried to mediate between one who had stopped coming to church and one who was blaming the other for it. And I had watched this beautiful home go up that was pretty large. I thought, this is going to be a great-sized home. They had the foundation and the brick picked out, and Jim was there, and we had a chance to talk and work through some things. And I asked him how it was going, and his, in a nutshell, comment was, I knew I could do it myself. Well, it wasn't about another two weeks that I went out there. And they were taking off the floor of this house. Now, for all of you who are builders, and you know what it means to build a foundation, as long as your lengths and widths are the same, it works. 50, 50, 30, and 30. That works, right? 50, 50, 30, 30. Do you know what a parallelogram is? That's what they built for a foundation. And to the naked eye, you couldn't tell. And they had measured and tried their best. But it wasn't until the floors were about to be finished that they didn't fit square on one corner and they were hanging out on the other side. And if they kept going forward, the rest of the house was going to have to be adjusted to fit the foundation. And so they tore it down. Is that where you are? I can do this myself. I don't need anyone help. I've been through these problems. I've raised my own kids. I don't need someone else to tell me what to do. And you've built a relationship on a parallelogram. And you keep trying to stack up the levels. And you're realizing it's just getting more and more difficult the farther and farther we go. And now it's time to confess your sin. Not your sin because you tried to rebuild, but your sin because you did it in the wrong way. You didn't take the help from the Savior. You didn't take the wisdom of the scriptures. And you did it again by yourself. And you ended up with the same results. Man, Nehemiah tells us, folks, it's never too late. Tear the thing down. Start over. Yes, it could be costly. And it costed Mr. Kirby. I know it did. But it was well worth it to end with this beautiful house that's now still risen and raised, and his kids and grandkids. And they're still a part of the same place they built because it became a part of their family. And it was worth tearing it down and starting over from scratch and rebuilding what was right. It did not have a cost. And maybe you're here this morning saying, I don't know that I'm willing to pay the cost. Is it worth having your children in heaven? Is it worth seeing your parents in a right relationship with God? Is it worth seeing your boss, his life changed, and their children come to know the truth, and the spouse be treated like a normal person? Oh, you'll be amazed when you rebuild your life, what happens to the lives around you. When they see it done right, others want theirs done right. And Nehemiah does it by an honest evaluation. He gets on his hands and knees, falls before the Lord, and confesses there is a need. Lord, this is a 10. This is not just a 5 out of 10. This is not just something I think about. I realize today that I am the one you have called to put in their lives. I am the one who has the opportunity to make the change. I am the one that you have burdened. This person comes to Nehemiah, his brother, and Nehemiah realizes this was not by chance. This was God's plan. He brought him to me because I am in the place that can make a difference. I am in the place that can make the change. And I've got to do this right. So he falls down, confesses the sins, agrees with them, and then wants to fix the problem. And I won't belabor the point, but let me just say this. When I first went to the chiropractor to get help for my neck, he looked at me and he said, Well, what's wrong with your legs? I was like, I need to go somewhere else. He said, What do you mean my legs? I I have a neck appointment. He's looking at the chart and he said, Well, I, I see that, but do your legs hurt? Do your knees hurt? I was like well yeah they hurt but that's from soccer i'm worried about my neck i can't really turn my neck so well, let me look at something he said lay on your stomach and I, thought, <laughs> I rolled over and he took my knees and he bent them up and he's checking to see if my legs were the same length he was checking to see if things were in line and he was looking at my feet pulled my socks off and this is what he said to me i'll never forget he said you've damaged your toes haven't you I was like, well, yeah, that was years ago. He said, like, I can tell. I'd been hurt in a national tournament and broken several toes and played on through it. And So to this day, they're still that way. But he said, do they hurt when I take, oh, man, I about let out of that chair. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, do they hurt? Don't touch those things. I only walk on them. And what he came to say was this. He said, well, Jerry, let me tell you something. I'm not here to mock you, and I'm not here to be a joke, but he said this. He said, Jerry, when you came in and started walking, I could tell you're limping. I thought, I didn't think I was limping. And he said, What happens is your toes are not right and they're hurting, which is now causing you to limp, which now means your body's kind of leaning to this side. And he said, What happens when your body leans to this side? Now you've cranked your torso so that you're walking like this. And since your body's leaning this way, now you've turned your neck to go like this. And so he's making this caricature in the office, and I just wanted to go, Yeah, right, and get over. But what he was saying to me is, Man, you're all out of whack. And you're walking around and you think it's your neck and he said now i can adjust your neck but that's not going to solve the what the problem folks. what i'm trying to say to you is no don't go and call every doctor a quack that's not what i meant i actually realized the most important thing is i probably should have had the surgery done where it was supposed to have been done back in the days of college and because i thought it didn't matter and I didn't think it would make a difference. It affected the rest of my body. Folks, what Nehemiah is saying to us is if your heart is hurting, don't just take a pill and say, well, it makes me feel better. And aspirin helps. Gosh, maybe the blood flow is not good because there's a blockage. Maybe the blockage is actually somewhere in your neck. I can tell you as a pastor of how many people I've laid in the hospital beds with who had all kinds of blockages, eventual strokes, and tumors, and had no idea when they went in. That's what they had. What Nehemiah is saying to you this morning is, you've got to look for the problem. In a nutshell, if you're going to get started right, make an honest evaluation. Where am I hurting? Don't just say, well, you hurt my feelings. No, say you crushed me. That hurt when you said that to me. It made me feel this tall. It made me feel like I wasn't even worthy. It made me look like you just overlooked me as though I'm a parent that didn't know anything about it. You made me feel like a spouse, as if I had no worth at all. You made me feel like a child, as if you didn't even want me. Folks, you've got to identify the need. You've got to find the hurt, confess it, and believe that God can heal it. Whatever the struggle, whatever the hurdle, Nehemiah says, God... I and my Father's house, we have sinned. We've acted corruptly. Do you get that? When something is corrupt, it doesn't look like an accident. Let's admit our sin. We, too, were a part of it. And we said things we shouldn't. And we crafted ways we probably shouldn't have done. And we finagled through life. And we accomplished things that we probably shouldn't have. It was corrupt from the beginning. And now you're trying to make it work? Nehemiah says it's never too late. It's never too late to make an honest evaluation and get started right so that you can begin again with God. Wherever you are this morning, you've got to fix the problem. Let me race you through it quickly. How do you fix the problem? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you're the one who has a surface fix. Nehemiah goes beyond that when he says, Lord, I'm confessing this. There are no surface fixes. Write this down. The surface fix is the person who has a positive attitude. That would be probably me in a lot of ways if I were to humbly come before you. The surface fix is the one who makes everything go away because they just act great, positive out. Like, ah, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. We'll overcome it. We got it. We've done this before. We've been there, done that. We got through it. We can do, fix it. Don't worry about it. It's just the surface. And on you go. Say the few right things. Do the right things. And hoof got a whole nother week, it'll be better. There are no surface fixes in rebuilding. Another one would be the super fix. Those of you who like the super fix, that's where everyone around you is involved. Oh man, we got this problem. Tell you what, let's just get involved. Let's do ministry. You know what? I, I want my spouse to come back to church. You know how I get my spouse back in church? The church is going to start a building project and he likes buildings. So let's ask the preacher if he can be a part of the building. And he'll go there, and he'll build, and he'll build with everybody, and he'll just want to build, and he'll fall in love with the building. And next thing you know, he'll fall in love with Jesus, and now I'll have my husband back. Let me tell you something. Some people get so busy, they never get blessed. That's not how you win people back. The super fix is not for you to step in and solve the problems thinking you're going to work it out. So you can't have the surface or the super, but then there's the spiritual fix. Now, I'm saying this in a facetious way. It's the one that I want to always say, oh, you know what? God's got a plan for you. Don't worry about it. Let's pray about this because whatever it is you're going through, it's exactly what God wants for you. And, hey, let's just wait it out. You see, the spiritual fix is sometimes because we really don't know what God wants. And we're not willing to admit that. We're not willing to say, this is hard. I don't know what direction God wants me to go. We could have put a spiritual fix on the pandemic in a heartbeat. Ah, this is God's doing, this is God's way, don't worry about it, let's go forward. We could have put a surface fix on it and said, don't worry about it, man, it go away. We also could have handled the pandemic in the old super fix where, hey, if everybody do the same thing, why have not worry about it? You see, we handle every situation these ways, but the one that works, the one that works is the sure fix, the sure fix. It's the one who makes an honest evaluation, admits where the needs are. Believes that only Jesus Christ is going to get us through. And confesses those sins in our need for Jesus Christ. And then we're ready to just start the process. That's not how you end it. That's the start of rebuilding in relationships. We've got to make an honest evaluation. And finally, as we have just said the things that need to be undone, those habits, those hurts in our hearts, the mending. Finally, you need to be humbled before God. Until God breaks you down, he cannot rebuild you. Until your marriage is about to collapse, you probably won't call on God Until your children have packed their bags, ran away to live their own life, you probably haven't fallen down enough. See, until we're humbled before God, we probably don't call on God for help. And the only way we're humbled before God is many times like Job where we have to just about lose everything important in order for God to rebuild it and restore it to make it right. Oh, my prayer for you this morning is don't lose it all. Don't take the chance. Your children are worth it. Your parents are a blessing. Your friends, they're hard to come by. Your spouse, mm, couldn't be more wonderful. But you must begin again with God. You must start right. And so we learn: learned, how do you do that, Pastor? In Hebrews chapter 7. I'll let you read it. It's all about not being tempted to go back to the commandments or the covenants of Moses. Let's not go back to the old way. Let's not go back what Nehemiah is saying to these commandments that were broken and no good. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus is the better way. He's better than Moses. He was better than Aaron. He was better than David. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus is better than anything else they could have. This morning I remind you as you're rebuilding that Hebrews was written because every new king brought all kinds of new challenges that the people would have to adapt to. And every new priest brought all kinds of new anxieties about whether God would accept the sacrifice in this person as our leader. And every new prophet brought a whole bunch of new fears as to what this leader is going to be like. But when it came to Jesus... The writer of Hebrew says he is the prophet, priest, and king. And he is the same today as he will be what? Forevermore. And so the advantage of having Jesus in your life in rebuilding is you don't have to worry about change. You don't have to worry about a new king. You don't have to worry about a new direction. You don't have to worry about new standards. There's no changing in Jesus Christ. His plans still work today. The same plan for Nehemiah will work for you. You can rebuild through the power of Jesus Christ. Christ is able to guarantee salvation. He is the king. He is able to take your life, change your life, rearrange your life, and to save your life. And He's able to save your marriage, to save your relationships, to save your career, to save whatever it is that needs to be rebuilt. Jesus is the answer. Hebrews 7 says, He is perfectly fitted, He's perfectly suited, He's perfectly able to meet our needs and help us rebuild. He's perfectly able to help you begin again with God. Nehemiah reminds us it's never too late to begin again. This time let's begin right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you challenge us tremendously. Lord, your scriptures, your servant Nehemiah, your plans. Lord, this morning speak through me, not in the worldly stories and ways, but through the truth of Nehemiah's prayer, that, Lord, we could make an honest evaluation today, that we would be humbled before you, So that we would be able to overcome our habits, mend our hearts, and heal the hurts. All this, Lord, for no other reason than you would be glorified through us, your servants, just like Nehemiah. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you would receive the benediction from Uh, Timothy, this morning, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's children said, amen. Have a great Lord's Day.